Welcome to Hold Backstage Live on WBSL Radio, recorded in Alabama's oldest continuously operating community theater. We are bringing you radio plays, vocal performances, interviews with performance art insiders, readings, comedy, and drama, all supported by our generous sponsors and people like you. Check the show description for a link to connect to all of our social media. Follow us for upcoming events and announcements and to learn how you can be part of our mission to provide our community and surrounding areas with a positive outlet for the performing arts. Please make a point to subscribe or follow us so you are kept in the loop when a new episode drops. Just search Holback Stage Live or visit Holbackstage.com and find the WBS Live podcast page under the Archives tab in the menu. Notable episodes coming up soon include conversations with comedian Patrick Sisk and cinematographer Adam Carboni. Coming later this year are episodes featuring our 13 Days of Halloween series, music origin stories, open mic performances, main stage comedy, and a special Christmas broadcast. We cannot do what we do without the support of local businesses and generous individuals. Contact the show at wholebackstagelive at gmail.com to talk about sponsorship opportunities. To help support the show as an individual, follow our socials link in the show description for access to PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App. Just add the word podcast as a comment. We are currently operating out of a temporary studio space, and your generous support will help us achieve a professional, permanent space from which to generate consistently engaging content. Additional information can be found, as always, at wholebackstage.com. Okay, all you Holbackstage Live listeners, I cannot tell you how jazzed I am about this conversation where I sit down to speak with John Harvey about his production role in the album Big Band of Brothers. Now, I I say production role casually, but let me tell you that this project would not have happened without John's imagination, creativity, forethought, his musicianship, and, and just having the passion and determination to see it through to the end. Now, this album is an amazingly crafted big band jazz set celebrating Allman Brothers Band favorites. The album debuted at number two on the Billboard Jazz Charts when it was released and has received high praise in numerous musical publications. Check out BigBandOfBrothers.com to learn more about the project and to get cool merch. I have my eye on the Big Band of Brothers logo t-shirt myself. You will hear music throughout the episode that is all from Big Band of Brothers. The intro is backed by the song Hot Lanta. When John mentions laborers in A minor, the music you hear will be the free jazz lead-in to that tune. Later, he mentions In Memory of Elizabeth Reed and then laborers again, and you will hear selections from those songs respectively. Now, when we mention the outdoor music venues the city of Gunnersville has to offer, and John talks about playing with his group, Lake City Jazz, in Errol Allen Park, you hear some of the tune, It's Not My Cross to Bear. And then towards the end of the episode, the track you hear is Stand Back. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. You can't be too careful. <laughs> no. Hey, could I turn myself down a little bit in my ear? Yeah, uh, just I think maybe right about at five. Um, yeah, that am, that's. Fine. Am I good? Yeah, in I'm, your- here, I'm hearing you fine. Okay, I can kind of hear myself without these, but that works. That's good. Good, 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 good. So very good, John. Thank you very much for joining me to talk about the project Big Band of Brothers, a jazz celebration of the Allman Brothers Band. Thank you, Denton. Appreciate you uh, inviting me to, to be here. Absolutely. That that uh, I, w- I wanted people to hear kind of the thought process behind that album because it really is a fantastic achievement, accomplishment. The project itself sounds great. I mean, I, you know, people who are fans of the Allman Brothers, it, it's one thing to enjoy and and listen to their music and play their music if you're part of a group or whatever and you have that ability but to to take that appreciation and turn it into your own expression of 
what it is that that touches you about their music. That I know you, I, when we were speaking before, it's a labor of love. I think you call it. <laughs> Absolutely, it, it was it was a um, um, it was loads of fun, and um, I enjoyed the whole process. I'm really pleased with the way it all turned out, and uh, appreciate your comments about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, getting into that project, when did when did it first come up? What was the first spark where, where you said, I kind of feel like I need to need to get this down? The idea was born uh, probably 15 to 20 years ago. And um, after listening to an album by Bob Kernow, who leads a big band, and he produced an album of music by the Pat Metheny and Lyle Mays group who I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Uh, and he did big band renditions of their music, which I was really taken with. I've been a, uh, a fan of big band music uh, since I was a teenager and uh, followed the Allman Brothers since very early teen years as well. And hearing that album uh, really caused me to begin to imagine any number of artists and music that I happened to be hearing at the time in a big band jazz context. Big band jazz, of course, being typically an ensemble with about 18 to 20 players, heavy brass, and uh, arrangements that are suited to uh, um, a jazz reading, uh, frequently with a lot of improvisation solos, much as the Allman Brothers employed in their uh, music. And um, that idea, which caused me again to, to, to hear any music that happened to come into, uh, into my range, you know, whether I'm listening to the radio or my own record collection or, or what have you, um, certain things would spark my idea that this would really do well with a big band treatment. Yeah. And I found over time that the Allman Brothers music was sparking that more and more frequently. And again, that, that album, the Bob Kernow album, came out in about 94, 95. And, uh, and so the idea goes back that far. My initial um, thought about how to bring that idea into reality was to, uh, was to produce an album myself with my playing drums mm -hmm. i'm a lifelong basement band drummer uh and surrounding myself with friends and other musicians that i had played with um much as i had done on an, on a cd that i did about 20 years ago before uh my family moved back to gunnersville from atlanta um i was playing at the time with several different bands and, uh, in the Atlanta area? Yes, primarily. Also with a cousin's um, resurrected high school band up mm -hmm. in Tennessee. Um, and that so sounds I had, like a busy schedule. It was my dive back into music after, uh, well, dive back into playing, I'll put it that way, after having put it aside for about a dozen years mm -hmm. while I was deep in the corporate world and young family growing and so forth. And uh, so I had several years in Atlanta that uh, uh, where I began to play with several different uh, bands and recognized an opportunity to do a recording, which I have always been kind of enamored with. Uh, so Just the I, production I, process and the... Everything about it. Um, yeah. And, and of course, in that context... I, you know, I played the drums, friends of ours, friends of mine, we gathered and did that. Uh, and so that experience recording uh, in Atlanta uh, educated me to the whole process. And so when the idea for the big band uh, of came really came to me, I understood the realities of that. And so it was more than just a you know, a kind of a whimsical dream. It was a thought that I think I could really see this through. Yeah. And my first 
approach to that was to do it as I had done that previous recording, bring in players that I knew and had played with before, and I would play the drums, and we'd, we, you know, we would do the project in that way. But the more I kind of got into it, thought about it, and, and realized or imagined what the potential for that might be, um, I came to the conclusion that it was it called for someone with more drumming skills than I had uh, or have, and uh, and also to make my way into the world of professional players more so than I ever had in my you know in my amateur experience. So uh, that that rerouted my approach <laughs> so as far as just pulling together musicians and and vocalists what was the original thought to pull in uh guest vocalists as well as musicians because I, I know you talked about the narrowing down process of you know we want to put together this album we're looking at the almond brothers catalog how do we narrow this down were there other groups you thought about doing this with or just the um the Allman Brothers was the only act that I ever seriously pursued, uh, yeah. you know, producing a project around. I have imagined dozens and dozens of <laughs> songs and different acts in that way, and still do. Um, but the um, uh, the focus on Allman Brothers was kind of all-consuming, and it just seemed like a natural fit to me. And and, yeah. and ultimately, I think it turned out to be that. Yeah. So they're they're just they're a group that has kind of a their style already lends itself to to putting it into the big band format and and a jazz format. I believe so. so. Yeah. yeah. Well, it came across really naturally, really well. I mm. mean, it's I, I'm still I'm still amazed at the whole project. If you haven't heard the album, everybody needs to hear it. Um, cause it really is tremendous. So what was the, the process on, like we were talking about narrowing down the catalog and, and picking arrangements, how, how many songs, I mean, were you looking at the entire catalog or did you have maybe 15 or 20 that you thought would really work? In compiling the, um, uh, the list of candidate songs, um, the, as you noted, the, the Allman Brothers catalog is so large and spans so very many years. Um, I th- thought I would start at the beginning and just kind of make my way through uh, each song and imagine, is this a good candidate or not, and so forth. And I didn't have to go very far from the start of the band to compile a, a, a you know, easily an album's worth of music. And it, it helped me focus uh, deciding that I would look at the primarily the years when Dwayne Allman was still alive and recording with the band, which really was their first several albums. For their first four albums, he appears on, on uh, some or all of. And uh, ultimately... The good final result is 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 a matter of choosing a good song, uh, finding a talented arranger who knows how to write for the big band and and translate the original music into this big band format, and uh, obviously uh, gathering musicians and and so forth. And so I had probably I'm gonna guess 14 15 16 songs that i had identified as as good potential for uh for this and then i luckily tied up with several really good writers arrangers and put them out to these arrangers to 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 get their feedback what you know what moves you here what what do you feel would be a good uh, candidate and so but that sort of was the process, and uh, ultimately we we whittled it down to ten. Well, was there one that somebody brought back to you that you hadn't thought of that that made it into the group? Or matter of fact, there was a um, the the song "Laborers in A Minor," yeah, which is which is a the really good Peach. one. It, it turned out to be a spectacular uh, recording. 
I believe. Um, that was one that uh, one of our primary arrangers, a fellow named Shane Porter, had, uh, uh, had brought to me to say, what would you think about this one? Now, it was one that actually was beyond the Dwayne Allman years. It's the only song of the ten that, that, uh, uh, that that's the case for. But um, uh, he, he made a really good argument, and it was something he was very excited about. A, a very gifted arranger, uh, musician, director, mm-hmm. all of the above. And um, he convinced me... Um, without too much trouble that it would be a good one and it turned out to be the case what well, that one specifically now that you bring it up the freestyle i don't want to call it an intro because it's you know a third or half the song but <laughs> but the freestyle lead-in yeah. is fantastic oh, I, I mean i appreciate that wow I'm, I'm not sure everybody who listens to it would feel that way but I, well, <laughs> I, i'm glad you do well it, it was a very you know, you call it a jazz celebration of the Allman Brothers Band, so that that can't be just like if if a, a, a song is four and a half minutes on their original recording, you don't want to turn it into just four and a half minutes of your interpretation. I wouldn't think. So the fact that that the arrangers, the producers, musicians, maybe who just said, "Hey, let's try this," and it ended up on the final product is great. I mean, I can't imagine being a, a a participant collaborator on a project where you kind of have that much um, autonomy maybe is the right word to just we're going to so. figure this out as we go yeah. and it's going to be great <laughs> well um, I really like it um, I think it turned out very well it's actually well let me back up the song Libraires is uh, something of a departure in maybe more of a jazz exploration by the brothers in some in some regards than some of their other songs and and they actually have an intro to theirs which is um, it's not as extensive I don't think but it's it's also a little bit in what people call the free jazz mm-hmm. you know range and um, our drummer Mark Lanter who is really kind of like I consider him the linchpin to making this whole project work uh, he was my introduction to the the pro world that I didn't have connections to everything from players to arrangers mm-hmm. to studios and all of that um, he was the first uh, person that I enlisted to help uh, to really make this happen and uh, he's a he's a great player um, a lot of people will have seen him play with a Black Jacket Symphony. That's a lot of what he does now. Oh, okay. Uh, I knew him having seen him play in uh, in Tuscaloosa. He played with the University Jazz Band in the 70s when I was in school there. And so I, I knew him a little bit from those days. And uh, once I decided to really pursue this project seriously, um, I... I connected with him and, and brought him on board. And he uh, was, I would say, a, the main champion of this free jazz intro to the Libraire's track that's on the album. And uh, uh, it, it happens to be a, a song, as I mentioned, that Shane Porter arranged. And, and he and Shane together uh, worked to make that happen and it's exactly what it sounds like if you say free yeah. jazz it was a um, um you know most of the members of the ensemble just kind of playing listening to each other and playing themselves uh what they feel would fit and it's a it's it's a it's very you know <laughs> that that three and a half minutes or whatever it is is quite different than everything else on the record that had but, to be a, an, an incredible feeling in the studio just watching that unfold. Yes. Yes. It I certainly can, was. I can only imagine. So uh, you mentioned Mark. You know, it's funny. Uh, in kind of checking out what I can find about the album and, and the, the production process, um, Mark was one of the arrangers. He's primarily a horn arranger? Well, the arranger... Uh, Mart, M-A-R-T, Mart, Mart, Mart Avant. Avant, okay, yeah, he, okay, that's the... 
Yeah, he's a he's a trumpet player. He he's a he plays in the ensemble, and he he arranged uh, in memory of Elizabeth Reed. Hmm. So it, also along those lines, talking about uh, your connect the connections to Tuscaloosa, is seems several of the of the participants had connections there from your days uh, at Alabama, and two, another thing that I saw. Anybody who any interview you find about this process or the album or um, a statement about it or whatever mm-hmm. usually starts with when this project was pitched to me. John Harvey called or mm-hmm. my my first introduction of this project. John Harvey. John Harvey brought this idea. So that's that's fascinating to me in multiple like people and multiple um, avenues. I, I was very fortunate to be introduced to a lot of people and uh, made good friends and, and a lot of good connections. And, um, uh, you know, it, the, the, the pursuit of this was kind of twofold. One was to see this idea realized because I just had really strong feelings about it. Uh, wanted to make it happen. And, um, and the other thing was just to, uh, to dive into a world that I always aspired to be a part of since I was a kid. I mean, I've played drums since I was 12. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, as I said, basement band drummer for life and, and, and have had the opportunity to play with uh, uh, in a number of situations and, and, and enjoyed them all. Um, but to, to really get uh, an inside look at the world of a, of a pro musician of the recording studio of that whole you know mm-hmm. that whole environment was uh, was obviously part of my uh, motivation as well so I've, I've spent quite a few years kind of living a fantasy life in uh, in, in the project what well, and some of the horn players um, or maybe an arranger. Am I correct in, in saying that that was part of a group called the Tuscaloosa Horns? Is that their name? It's not a group as much as an entity of of players. Um, it was born out of uh, University of Alabama players. Who? Um, or it's, it, yes, it was. It was born probably back in the '70s by a group of players who would who would be hired by traveling acts. Um, the, the, the Temptations is a good example. When they tour, uh, they won't carry their, their own horn section everywhere they go. But when they come into the South, uh, the Tuscaloosa Horns has become the entity that they go to to staff and, and uh, you know, hire their four or five horn players yeah. that they'll need. And so the Tuscaloosa Horns is an entity that exists to staff acts like that and um, you met, we mentioned Mart Avant who's uh, uh, who arranged the Liz Reed and he's a trumpet player uh, and and he is the um, manager of that entity and they have a you know he's probably got a you know a Rolodex of 30 or 40 or 50 or I don't know how many players but when someone wants to hire horns they contact Mart and and he, and he pulls together the, wow. uh, the folks that they need. And so he was instrumental in recruiting uh, the horns that play on our record. I like what you did there. He was instrumental. <laughs> it, it was inadvertent, I must say. <laughs> yeah. um, so we, we kind of talked about pulling, pulling together from the catalog, getting down to the 10 songs for this album. Um, what was the process if there was a process as far as since y'all were doing a lot of your own arranging and and that kind of thing what what were the um uh, legal permissions like i mean was it a was it a lot to go through to, to be able to produce this or or did you have kind of some leeway since you were it was a lot you know mainly your own project you were driving actually the um the the, the legal environment for making a, an audio recording is is quite simple and it's all uh, prescribed there are uh, a couple of licensing entities that manage uh, the copyrights of uh, original 
music. And, and in order to facilitate the, the, the whole process, I mean, there is a, a basically a price list that says, if you want to record this song that was penned by Paul McCartney and you want to put it on an album and sell it, uh, it, it it's all mapped out there. And as so long as you, uh, you know, comply and fill out the right forms and so forth and you submit so many cents per uh, copies of this song that you sold to mm-hmm. this licensing entity and then they forward it on to McCartney or whoever owns the song and wow. to- today. So so that was really pretty easy. That's good that it's all laid out for you. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that process alone, even if I was passionate about putting together a, a project like yours, that process would probably deter me or like derail me once I got <laughs> into it. Just have if I, if you're having to figure that out, it, it's easy to imagine that that would be a real hurdle. Yeah, uh, and 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 I didn't understand uh, going into it that it would be as easy as it is, but but it it really is. Now, beyond that, for example, um, the rights to uh, to put that in video is different. That is not prescribed. And so if I wanted to release and sell video recordings uh, of these songs, this music, then that actually requires negotiating with the holders, the copyright holders for each song. Gotcha. So do you have an album with you? I do. I was just thinking we may as well set that up if I can... I always, I love the cover to this, by the way. I love the cover too, and I'll have to uh, credit my good friend and cousin Craig Woodward and his agency oh, Baker really? Woodward for working on the art, all the artwork for the album and the CD. Yeah, no, the cover's beautiful. As with many aspects of the project, it's something that uh, involved a lot of people and. Um, uh, ultimately also involved uh, our record label, New West Records, uh, who, who had a hand in it and, and, and had, a, you know, had good ideas and suggestions. And uh, like so many of those things, it's done by committee in a, in a <laughs> roundabout way. But I'm very happy with the way it all yeah. turned out. Well, what uh, as far as putting together... Uh, the the final ten songs for the album mm-hmm. was there one that had a particularly hard journey making it to the making the cut or uh, as far as putting it together getting players vocalists um, or was it all kind of fluid once it once it started this this ball's rolling we need to we're jumping on the uh, the cast of musicians and singers and all uh, were. You know, by the time we were in the studio and putting everything together, you know, all of that had been had been worked out. Um, the The songs that we decided to to have lyrics and not just be an instrumental. My my original thought was that we would do everything just instrumentally. You know, a lot of jazz music is done that way. Um, but getting into it and realizing kind of the um, uh, oh, the importance, the beauty, the, the, the meaning of a lot of the lyrics uh, would be missed by listeners, a lot of listeners, myself included at some point. And so we, we identified four that we wanted to have vocals on and was lucky to be able to attract uh, real talented singers and, and people, oh, yeah. recognizable names who would help us market the project. Um, so all of that was done. Uh, none of those decisions were made with any particular vocalist in mind. Um, the probably the the most challenging track to put together was Lebrers that we talked about before because it is it is um, quite complex and required yeah. uh, uh, probably more preparation and rehearsal. Shane did a. Uh, a, a marvelous job of arranging the song, uh, but that also included a lot of very technically difficult uh, things for players to pull off. And um, 
And so that one, I would say, if one stands out as being more challenging, that that was that would be it. Well, I'm sure it's kind of funny for people who have uh, made it this far, <laughs> who are listening, uh, that um, I, I mentioned the free jazz lead in to that song, and then you mentioned an arranger working on it. So those two things kind of, I guess, to to some listeners and to me too, kind of clash a right. little bit, but. Right. You have to have a roadmap, right? Even if you take some detours along the way, you know where you're headed, I guess, is the, is the way those well, are Well, that's a good observation. In fact, uh, Shane's input on the final product of, of that free opening portion was that we're going to start in this key, <laughs> and by the time it's over, we're going to end up in this key. <laughs> and if you'll just watch me... He was, he was in the studio directing and, he, and, and essentially said, if you'll watch me, I'll be listening to what you all are doing. And if I give you this signal, you know, then, then we're going to build it up. And if I give you this signal, then we're going to bring it, you know, oh, down man. a little bit. So, so they were vague uh, directions, I'll say. So to, yeah. to, to, to your analogy, that, that was the roadmap. Um, that in in very simplistic terms, that's about as much as was given until you get to the portion where they're they're reading charts and playing the notes on the page. That's amazing to think about that process. I mean, you know that if we talked about nothing else, I'm sure we could talk about just that song itself, the way the way it was put together. And that's that's amazing to hear that he was just kind of y'all play, I'll listen, and we'll we'll feel it out. Basically, uh, that's. To have the talent and the group of people to do that is amazing. You know, and in the studio, this is not in a live setting, but in the studio, um, you always have the option that if, if this thing just goes off the rails, we'll start, stop and we'll start over. Right. But this was actually the one and only uh, take. Wow. I, I did see a comment, I think it was from Mark, maybe, that... Uh, the basic tracks were recorded in three days? That's right. Wow. That's right. Because of, I'm sure, the group that you had working on it. The challenge of pulling together 20 people all at the same time and they're arranging their schedules and so forth was you know, one of the greater uh, obstacles to overcome, I guess. And... Uh, that plus a very limited budget, <laughs> which said, "Okay, we have to we have to be able to do that in this number of days on these dates," and uh, uh, and as as and, and with with all that and and mapping out our approach, really didn't know if we'd get everything done by the time the you know the clock struck. <laughs> Uh, and there was there was a time when I thought we might fall one or two songs short, but but it, it all came together very well. We we rehearsed, get, gathered uh, on Sunday evening, and had a uh, quick run through, talk through as much as play through, um, and then three full days, three full consecutive days at uh, Bates Brothers Recording mm-hmm. Studios in Hueytown, Alabama. Uh, uh, Marvelous facility, wonderful people, very talented, very skilled folks, um, and and so then there's after been a lot of music days, come out of there too. There has been, there has been, and um, and I'm sure we'll continue to be because those guys are are uh, uh, making uh, making good music in a in a in a nice, comfortable setting yeah. down there. Well, that, I guess you know now that you you talk about trying to get everybody together and they're they're committing time out of their schedules and lining up twenty plus musicians and vocalists and producers and and arrangers and uh, yeah, I can see where all right, we're all going to get together, we're going to knock this out, and then, instead of getting together a weekend at a time over a month or two or something like that, yeah. just get it, get together and knock it all out in three days, and that yeah, then we'll do the uh, the rain the the, the piece, piecemeal uh, you know would never have worked um, yeah uh, too many people too many moving parts and too much money to do it that way um, of course once that 
once those three days are over, and so we've captured all the various performances um, and various takes, then uh, we spent uh, the better part of a year uh, going back and, and, and mixing and putting all those pieces together. Wow. And, and, and when I say a year, that just means a day here and weeks later, a couple days there. And, and so it, was, uh, it, it just worked out to, to take that much time. So if you if you were say locked in a studio and had nothing else to do, you could have done it in maybe a month or so. Oh yes, 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 okay. for sure. Well, but you know when I think about did did you have all the tracks? How many tracks would you be working with per song? I mean, when you when you talk about mixing, because I'm thinking you know you listen to this horn part or this drum part or whatever. Does it need to be up or down? And if you talk about individual recording tracks. I'm going to guess there were 35 to 40. (laughs) I mean, because, you know, you, you, uh, you mic a drum kit and you got 10 or 12 mics right there. Uh, and then, um, uh, there are certain times that on a guitar, let's say you'll, you'll want to add some effect, you know, some reverb, some echo, or so, something that maybe is not captured at the time it's recorded. So that might take two tracks instead Generates of one. Track. And so, so uh, uh, you know, but that's what the Bates brothers do. They, Yeah. That, they, that's a whole other process. They, they have 40 fingers to use yeah. to, to, to adjust all <laughs> yeah. those 40. That, when you take, you know, the, from start to finish, from conception to to selling it, in, in a commercial setting, um, the recording, like we were talking about, uh, is an amazing process, but also the technical aspect to me after the recording, putting it all together, making it sound good. It already sounds good, but you know, making it where it comes across like you want it to, Mm -hmm. um, is, is just as phenomenal. It, It is a significant effort and it requires, um, it requires talent. Yeah, just, just like that saxophone player is talented at having this wonderful performance, the uh, the studio wizards who capture that and uh, and and uh, can process it to the point that it sounds just the way you want it to on the recording. That's yeah. that's really something. So were were there? We we talked about libraries, but was there um, a lot of kind of arrangement decisions? as you went through the process, um, kind of not necessarily going in with a defined, this is how we want to do this for sure, but going in with a basic idea and then allowing that input from the musicians and, and producers as far as kind of making decisions on how you wanted things to go while you were in the studio? Not so much. Really, the, uh, by, by the time you're, we were in the studio, uh, arrangements, um, well, the, the, the process of arriving at an arrangement, in, in, very, in very simple terms, um, I would get the arranger's uh, agreement that let's work on this song. And then he would come back and, uh, and, and provide to me, here are my ideas and here's some of what I'd like to do with it. And in some cases it was aces, let's go. That's wonderful. In some cases I would say, well, let's do this a little different or let's end it a little differently or whatever. And so the back and forth on the arrangement would have happened well before the studio. By the time you're in the studio, it's printed and it's on the page and you that's mm-hmm. what is played. Really what is left for uh, you know individual input by a musician will be solos because those are totally improvised. And uh, much like the Allman Brothers music, every song will have portions uh, of, you know, one, two or three different instruments that take solos. And those are just completely uh, uh, imp- improvised at the time. And, and um, in, uh, in some cases, were recorded live with the basic track. In some cases, were not. And uh, there might be... Uh, uh, two or three attempts or two two or three different solos that they would that they would uh, record and then we would decide which one to use yeah 
that uh, what you just mentioned there kind of made me think about, um, you know, you could go see the Almond Brothers for for instance, and you may not see the same show ever, be, be for that reason because Absolutely. a lot of their solos or improvisations are are different every single night. Absolutely. And, and I went to a show recently um, and talked to a friend of mine who was also there after the fact, but he he told me <laughs> I couldn't believe this. He told me he had been to 35 concerts of that same artist that we saw. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, like what? <laughs> it's just to see, and it was one of those bands that that's kind of a jam band. You know, they, they, they take turns just improving and having fun every night. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, you could probably see them 35 times mm-hmm. and it, it's different every time probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you get the same basic feel because you know the songs and they have to play, some something similar to what they put out exactly <laughs> so you know what's going on but yeah that, and that's the beauty of of, of improvised um uh music and it you know it obviously exists all over jazz but also in uh, an awful lot of rock and blues and and yeah. uh and many other genres and uh it is what adds spice to 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 those uh, musical compositions for sure. Yeah, it's what it, you know. It's something interesting where you, you if you're seeing somebody live, you never know what you're going to get. If it's one of those bands that that is good at putting that stuff together and um, providing for that that space to kind of explore and mm-hmm. this is these are the kinds of musicians we are and we like to just have fun and y'all came to listen so enjoy. <laughs> um, so. Did you end up not drumming any of the tracks on this album? I did not play drums on, on at least any in of the studio. Album. Have you um, drummed them at at your house? Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, now uh, you won't find uh, any credit on the album uh, liner notes for this, but uh, if you'll listen closely, there are uh, at least a couple of songs that have cowbell. <laughs> And that's me. And that was Mr. John Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> More cowboy. Yeah. I, I, now I have to listen. Well, I have to listen more closely. There you go. But I see those insider notes. That's that's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to. I have one of the tracks at least that I think gives a pretty good feel for. Um, the concept of the whole album because this, uh, and I know it's a staple, but Statesboro Blues that y'all did, mm-hmm. it it kind of has uh, an an original big band jazz intro, and then goes straight into the that's I, for those of you I snapped, uh, <laughs> it goes straight into yes uh, the familiar Almond Brothers sound right when that song kicks off yes so. I thought that was one that I could play that would be a good mix of giving people an idea of what y'all added to. That's a good idea. Um, in fact, let me let me credit uh, Mark Lanter with that idea. Oh, okay. Uh, that that we would that we would open that song with uh, what what uh, some jazz enthusiasts w- would relate to a uh, uh, a Count Basie big band introduction. Yeah. I wanted to play this one while we were sitting here because, um, and I hope it goes straight to it. Yeah. So I love the feel of that, just easing into it. People are just chilling, Mm -hmm. hanging out. bass behind it too. I love that little line it's walking. (laughs) So that's 
Yeah, so then you hear it go, oh, I want to bring it back up for that trumpet. Sorry, trombone. So I love how that was kind of your own intro, and then you went into that really familiar Almond Brothers uh, beginning to that song, mm-hmm. and then went back into kind of the uh, the big band jazz feel right before Mark comes in with the vocals. Um, and Mark Broussard has—I've been a fan of his for years, and I was—I was excited He's to see y'all, isn't he? Oh man, yeah, yes. excited to see y'all get him. Oh. On that project, talk about being excited to get him. That was <laughs> wonderful. That 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 really uh, uh, he added so much. What a talent! Perfect fit. Yeah. Uh, marvelous human being. The whole the whole gamut. Well, what's fun about him too? And and uh, while I was looking at information for this interview and and about you know well two stories, <laughs> looking at Mark. Um, I was a fan of his from when I, I lived in Nashville, uh, back after 2005. And, um, I, I've been listening to his music, playing his music for a long time and, uh, looking into his projects while I was getting ready for this episode, I found some recordings of him and his dad. And he actually credits his dad with coming up with some of the musical ideas in his songs, mm-hmm. like a, a tag or something or a bridge, he'll say, you know, we were stuck on this. And then, you know, I was telling dad about it and he said, well, what about this? And yeah. so, so now that's the bridge to, to the song or, or, you know, uh, they, they play together. Um, found a recording of a concert where they were just playing in a, in a room, um, that kind of looked like a winery, I guess they, they were barrels sitting around and everything, but, and there was an audience, um, but Mark would start one of his songs and his dad would fill in the, the guitar solos or whatever. So that's that's fun that they get to do that together yeah, um, and play sure. play together and, and write music together, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Another story is going down this road of the uh, checking out the big band jazz scene, I guess, <laughs> looking for other recordings of, of uh, that people have done off of this album. And looking for uh, things about this album, you run into other uh, going down the jazz road (laughs) and Mm -hmm. find a bunch of um, Etta James and (laughs) just like uh, Ella Fitzgerald. And, and, you know, I I ended up watching, uh, I believe it was an Ella Fitzgerald concert from 1968, maybe. Um, just as an offshoot of preparing for this. So You're getting deep, then. I, there you go. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, it, yeah, if, if you go down this road and start finding just information about that branches off of this project, mm-hmm. man, it's there's a wealth of things. The, uh, the big band concept, you know, it, it was... It was the popular music of the day in 1930s and 1940s, and uh, uh, there is such a wealth uh, of of wonderful recordings that exist. And unfortunately, as a you know as a concept, it has not died out because there's still pockets of it left, but they're they're relatively small, and you have to seek them out. Um, you can imagine that it's uh, it, it's hard to uh, to fund the tour of a quartet these days, uh, and you talk about you know multiplying that by four or five times, and it just right. becomes uh, 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 insurmountable. And so, what you have are big bands that exist in most large markets. Uh, people may not know, that, for example, in uh, in Birmingham. There's, a, there's an organization called Super Jazz. They play concerts every quarter. Hmm. And they do, uh, you know, classic, popular, big band charts. And uh, they're wonderful. Um, the uh, Huntsville has. Uh, just about any city of, of size will have a, a big band entity. Now they're, uh, you know, and it's usually comprised of amateur or 
um, I'll say players who might have been pro in their day or might still be, but uh, educators and enthusiasts who love the, the, the big band music but really don't have much opportunity to get together with a whole bunch of people and play it. And so they do it just for, for a hobby. Or players who could very well have been or could be pro, but that avenue wasn't open to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if, uh, yeah, if, 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 if my album introduces anybody to the big band uh, format or excites them about it, that's just uh, icing on the cake for yeah. me. Um, uh, there's so much marvelous music out there. I mean, if, if, if somebody listens to that intro to Statesboro Blues and, and really likes that, that uh, first you know, minute and doesn't really know where that comes from, go look up Count Basie and his big mm. band. Yeah. And th- there's a perfect entree to the world of big band. Well, it, it's funny you mentioned um, big band groups and jazz groups and Huntsville because the brass band of Huntsville is coming here to the whole backstage theater uh, June 30th for a patriotic concert that they call for which it stands. Mm-hmm. And, um, and something that we don't, we haven't typically had in this theater a lot mm-hmm. and something I hope that we can have more of um, just because that, you know, that kind of music, as you say, you know, is available, but not maybe not as well known. Maybe it's availability isn't as well known to people. Mm-hmm. Um, like that group in Birmingham and the brass band of Huntsville, I I haven't ever seen them, and they're thirty miles away. I mean, it's not a long trip, um, but I'm I'm really excited about them coming and playing here to hear the patriotic music that we hear every I guess Independence season we could call it. Um, you know, it's the patriotic music and kind of like Christmas music is where you can have the same. 15 to 20 songs played a dozen different ways, mm-hmm. <laughs> each one. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're coming. I, I am not familiar with the brass band. There's a, there's a big band there, the Rocket City Jazz Band, mm. that, uh, that I've heard a number of times, and they're a lot of fun. Um, well. And they play more traditional big band music. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear them, too. Um, now maybe not big, now maybe not in the avenue of of a big band, mm-hmm. but in the avenue of jazz band. Mm-hmm. You drum for a group here in town called Lake City Jazz. I do, and I heard you guys not too long ago um, playing uh, right around the corner here from the theater at the library. They have a nice amphitheater over there, and that it was it was phenomenal. It was really really enjoyable. You guys do a great job. Well, thank you, and. Um, I was really happy to catch that one. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We, we, we played a couple times this spring, uh, played at Errol Allen Park um, in April, and then got to play the amphitheater, which is a, what a wonderful uh, venue that is. That, yeah. Um, uh, is really new uh, here, to, certainly to a lot of people. And uh, we had a good time. It was a lot of fun. Well, I'm glad, you know, a, a venue like that takes somebody with with some creativity as far as putting things there you know i mean it it, it's an amazing space if if you have someone to to i guess organize the how we're going to use it Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. and bring things that people want to listen to want to see um and you mentioned errol allen park that's funny because i was driving through town a night y'all were playing there and (laughs) of course when it the so through through downtown Gunnersville is also a, a state highway that has a lot of traffic, um, and the highway runs maybe thirty yards from the stage, maybe at Errol Allen, <laughs> if that. Well, maybe maybe a little further, but but it's it's close <laughs> it <feels> enough. Like <laughs> it's close enough that uh, that uh, let's put it this way: I've made a couple of just uh, very simple recordings while we played there, and it's uh, very common to hear, you know tractor trailer rigs sure humming through there sure <laughs> which is part of what's interesting about that park and i think that was a great use of that space when mm-hmm. it was when it came available yes um but i was coming through town that night and anybody coming through town i mentioned how close the stage is because you can hear 
whatever's going on there, mm-hmm. even just driving by. And so I heard you guys playing, and I was like, "Oh no, I didn't even, I didn't know." <laughs> Somehow I missed, I missed the the lineup, and I, yeah. <laughs> so but, I had the I had the library concert on my calendar. I well, said, we're going to that. We're we're very fortunate <laughs> in a town the size of Gunnersville to have two wonderful yeah. outdoor venues because Errol Allen is a is, is a really fun place to play, mm-hmm. and we joke about the traffic and, and the occasional loud truck or. Or, or somebody who's taken the muffler off the vehicle to attract attention to themselves might stand out. But, you know, that's all part of the the, the whole atmosphere. And it, yeah. it, it's really a fun place to be. Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, venues here in our town that are that we have, that we're fortunate to have. Just outdoor is the amphitheater, Errol Allen, and also Jeff Cook stage. Right. I mean, that you know, there's... And I'm sure we could makeshift others, but those are three established mm-hmm. for performing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's, I, I didn't think about that, but that's great. You know, I, I guess kind of take it for granted that they're here, but uh, yeah, there are a lot of places that can't say that. Mm-hmm. And, and and the Arts Council does a great job of uh, lining up a variety of, of acts to come in and play at those various venues. And, uh, and, and I'll say that, you know, just from my years of experience participating in that, that, that you know, we have a good, loyal following uh, who will come out to hear, you know, just about anybody who's playing there. And it's, uh, that's, that's rewarding for the artist on stage to see a good turnout for, you know. Well, and... and- they sometimes events at Errol Allen for sure turn into uh, like the summer concert series mm-hmm. turn into county events to some extent because I've you know being there and talking to people and meeting people they've they've come from 20 30 minutes away because we're having a con- a summer you know a show as part of the summer concert series mm-hmm. at Errol Allen and uh it's good that it's good that we can attract people and um have have the kind of talent to that they'll come back and see again. You know, I mean, it's one thing to say, here's a stage. If somebody wants to sing, you yeah. can, but for, for groups like you guys, like city jazz and, and others that we've had there, you know, it's, it's really, uh, amazing to be able to fill that stage with talented people. And I'm, I'm just, I think that's a great program and I'm glad we have it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, uh, a couple of we we talked a little bit about getting uh, getting the the instrumentalists and the vocalists for this album, um, and you said you arranged at least most of the songs or getting the songs put together. You didn't do that with certain vocalists in mind, and in fact, at first, that you were thinking they were all instrumental. Yes, and I'm glad you said that when you did because I, that was a question I thought of when when we sat down was. Doing a jazz album, did you have the concept of only instrumental, or did you always want vocals? But you know, as far as putting that together, the was were the arrangers, and the, as you said, Mark was the um, kind of the connection to the professional world. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he kind of the one who ha- came up with the vocalist in mind, or, or did? Did they come to you in a sense when they heard about the project, or the the particular vocalists that are on the record? Actually, um, we sought yeah, them Ruthie out. Ruthie and Mark. And yes, the um, the original idea, as as I mentioned, was to be all instrumentals. But as as Mark and I kind of explored it in in more detail, um, decided that it would be good to have vocals for a number of different reasons. And uh, so we identified the songs that we wanted to have oh, uh, okay. to have vocals at the outset. So the arranger knew that they were arranging a song that would include a vocalist. Um, I decided that I wanted to have a male vocalist and a female vocalist. And once that decision was made, then I started seeking talent, reaching out to, to, to various uh, artists and... Um, Thank God, found Mark Broussard and Ruthie Foster, and and got their agreement to participate because yeah. uh, their they, their performances are just magnificent. They both do a fantastic job. They absolutely do. And I, I think you you know, 
they the instrumental arrangement that y'all would have come up with for any any of those songs would have been fantastic. But I think you know the the conversation about a vocalist, like you mentioned, that it would be it would be good. But at some point, the vocals that were part of the original recordings would probably be missed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. but I, I think that was that was a great call, and those two do a, a fantastic job on them. Um, and I guess along those same lines, we we kind of touched on, and I'm just going through this because this is part of my notes, mm-hmm. and we've touched on these things here and there, but was there uh, putting songs onto the album? When you got down to, we want to do these 10, mm-hmm. um, was there one that was shuffled after you thought you had a final lineup? Like, eh, maybe that one's not going to work as well as another one, and I'd... I, what, or one that you really had to fight for to get it in the final lineup, or actually, um, uh, one of our arrangers had an idea to work up a, a song that did not make it onto the album, and it it was always a um, well if if we have time and if you get to it and if, if we can put it together, but that's really the only thing that 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 uh, from our original plan. I mean, we mm. we had ten that were solid and 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 yeah, work that through to completion. So ba- basically, when you had this, when this concept came to you, it was just pure passion for putting it together that drove it, and then brought the group together, got it knocked out in the studio, did some mixing and arranging in the subsequent months, and here we are. And I'll add to that, was fortunate to um, to be able to involve New West Records mm-hmm. um, because that's an important element when it, especially when it comes to uh, getting the music heard. In in today's world on the internet, sure anybody can put their music out there, and anybody anywhere can listen to it if they. If if they know it's there and know how to go about finding it, yeah. um, the um, partnership with New West Records allowed for much broader distribution, much more awareness. Um, I, I've I've been very gratified by reviews written in, gosh, over thirty publications. Uh, you know. Everywhere, everything from uh, um, Downbeat, you know, which is sort of the quintessential jazz publication, uh, to uh, 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 blues magazines, to uh, a number of blogs and websites and so forth, and lots of accolades and, and, and marvelous praise. And that kind of attention comes about by having a label who knows how to uh, work the PR machine and get it out there and get it heard. I can and, imagine. And, uh, and, and uh, my first goal in having this project come together was to see it through and have the recording and, and be able to enjoy it and share it. And, and, uh, but uh, beyond that, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun to see I mean, we've been written about by publications in Europe and Japan. Uh, I've, um, as of December of last year, um, we we had something nearly half a million streams of songs. Uh, you know, numbers that are just kind of <laughs> um, uh, a lot of fun to look at. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, it doesn't amount to much money, but it's a lot of fun to look at and realize that this music has been enjoyed by so many people, uh, frankly, all over the world. Yeah. It ha- well, I know it has been, and I know it's been enjoyed here because uh, several of those streams were probably mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this, this project, like I said, is, is amazing. Um, if you have not heard it, you need to. Uh, Big Band of Brothers, Jazz Celebration of the Allman Brothers Band. I, I, I would say probably this is no 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 not probably that this is the coolest thing anybody I know has ever done <laughs> <laughs> you need to get out more <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you're probably not wrong about that. <laughs> but, you know, the, this project was something I really enjoyed. Well, and, I'm glad. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really glad, glad you, that. you were willing to sit down and talk to me about it. So. Well, uh, if, if there's anybody who's made it this far into the uh, podcast and hasn't heard uh, any of the music, bigbandofbrothers.com will direct you in many different ways to go and find it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, buddy. You're welcome. And we'll, I've enjoyed it. <laughs>